sinus-induced, elongated absence. We're back, baby! My name is Stuart Bothwell, and I'm thankfully joined by a much healthier Darren Butter. How's it going, Darren? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to hear it. There's a little little touch and go there for a while. You're AWOL. Yeah. (laughs) We're kind of a little bit concerned for your your health and well-being, but uh, you've managed to pull through the other side, and you still have all your limbs and uh, internal organs intact. Well, limbs is, yeah, it's still attached to me. It's not working quite as well as it probably could be, but that's that's all right. Yeah, you can workshop that. Walking around, you can tear a tendon in your foot. So, yeah, that's why I choose to stay in my bed as long as possible. Uh, And if I am ever going to the kitchen or something, I'll use a wheelchair. Yeah, like Bran. Yeah. So the NFL draft is in the rearview mirror and we're already starting to hear tales of how amazing some rookies are doing in their new surroundings. Of course, it's just superlatives everywhere. You know, just a DK Metcalf absolutely lighting things up around Seattle and just as well because it seems that uh, we may, well, no longer be hearing from Doug Baldwin, uh, certainly not in a Seattle uniform, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, so this means that we're generally getting into the pretty quiet part of the offseason. So with just likely a few more key vets to be signed now that the compensatory pick time frame has been and gone. Um, so at fourth and forever, what this means for us is that we can get into doing what we really want to do, which is just chat some shit about football, eh? Yeah, thank God. <laughs> we were really beginning to like uh, lose it a bit looking at all these statistics and all these uh, college players. It was an awful lot of like time and effort, eh? Yeah, which is fine. But, you know, it is all hyperbole and guessing, I think. Um, yeah, there's, there's, some there's so much guesswork. Be, you know, lights out and we can see that already. And there's others that, yeah, that we've spent an hour talking about that might never play a snap or might only last six games so. yeah that's it it's um it's been mentioned in a bunch of articles recently and it gets said every year that you just it, no matter how much you dive deep and analyze a player's college tape uh some sometimes you just can't like put a pinpoint on how they're going to play in the nfl and it means absolutely nothing until they start taking snaps until they start throwing passes until they start getting in the backfield you just don't know what you're getting. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I'm glad that we can finally get down to it and talk about football. And these boys just have to prove it, so we can talk about them on a weekly basis when September comes. Yeah, looking forward to it. But yeah, that's it. September still seems so far away. But um, I'm sure that we can find something to talk about every now and again. Yeah, well, some of these NFL players can make it pretty easy. So, we'll Oh, work. yeah. They just put it on a plate for us sometimes. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, so I reckon over the course of the next few months, we'll come at everyone with a bit of uh, like a few like top 10 lists and some, some, some general ideas about what we like foresee for this coming season. Uh, so that will include some way too early predictions. So we'll get into some of those today, uh, but before that, we're going to discuss some of the league's most important non-QBs, and uh, so then we will get into some way too early predictions before we just have a little you know, chat, be about the bush, chew the fat on a few league rumblings. So uh, yeah, let's just uh, dive right in, shall we? So what we're thinking about the most important non-QBs in the NFL, obviously 
quarterback is probably the most important position in all of team sports. I think it would be very hard for people to argue otherwise because he's just obviously the uh, the, the the engine room, the brain, the conductor of uh, everything that has to go through uh, the offensive side of the ball has to go through the quarterback. Uh, of course, uh, you could argue that the center is really important because you know someone has to snap in the ball. But uh, that's uh, we're, that we're, we're overlooking that part. Yeah, it's wrong with the first play of the Super Bowl, then you don't usually recover. Oh, for, like, how you just you just manufacture this? Uh, like, there's always something that has to bring it back to a, a Broncos failure. Uh, like just for for the listeners, I'm just going to say that okay. So recently, Doug Baldwin has just been released from the Seattle Seahawks, and Darren's like, oh, oh, does that mean that? Like, I mean, I know you won't like it, but could we talk about that Super Bowl where the Broncos got absolutely mauled by the Seahawks? And yeah, I just I'm just not having it. <laughs> Cam Chancellor's gone too. Yes, he has, and uh, I guess we'll we'll get into talking about them uh, towards the end of the show today. So, um, yeah, so we're going to go with most important non-QBs. We're going to kind of break it down into most important offensive non-QBs and then also do the uh, defensive side of the ball as well. So, uh, I don't know, Darren, do you want to kick us off with uh, offense? Yeah, well, I was looking at this as more influential um, to the kind of the layout of the league and the way the Mm. games are going to go rather than, you know, maybe someone's true skills. Um, But if we just go go, go off straight true skills, I think that the highest rated player and probably the most influential to a team's success is probably DeAndre Hopkins. Mm, Absolutely. Um, He's atop my list. He is third in PFF um, rating this um, top 101 players. So... Yeah, he just he can do things that make Deshaun Watson and that offensive line look better than this, and um, he will affect that AFC South League more individually than I don't think any other player in that division. So, yeah, he's he's definitely probably the top of my list for like offensive skill players that impact the game. Oh yeah, I I absolutely had him at the top of my list. Like he's just been so consistently freakish since he's entered the league. Uh, it was said that like you know he catches everything. He had not a single drop last season, which is just un- unheard of. You it's ridiculous, can't. Sir. I, I it's, it shouldn't be possible. So he still puts up freakish numbers when he's whether he's catching passes from Deshaun Watson, Brock Osweiler, Savage. Captain Caveman. Some kid you saw on the playground the other day, it doesn't matter. Hopkins is just so legit that he will find a way to put up a, a 1,500-yard, 12-touchdown season and uh, I, I earn you on his own probably like three or four wins. Well, the Texans won seven games in a row, eight games in a row last season, and they weren't mm-hmm. very good. And yes, the AFC South was competitive um, at the lower end of the kind of the talent level for some of the divisions but yeah to pretty much drag your team to an eight winning eight game winning streak mm-hmm. um yeah he just he just impacts the game over over odds compared to other players and then they'll just have to hope for his health because i don't think they've they've added players but they haven't really added anyone that's going to help him so yeah 
yeah, or, or share the load with him. So they're kind of going for him to get an early two thousand all-purpose yards again. <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think that's going to be their whole offensive um, tactic, from what I can see. Yeah, yeah. I think um, to, to me, it's unquestionable. Like his his actual the, the the influence that he has on games cannot be underestimated. Like he will. Uh, like really, he will stretch a defense. He's got he's got the speed to burn you. He can go up and leap higher than anyone else. Uh, he's got the craziest hair in the league as well. He's, he's he's damn good. What do you think his trade value would be? Trade value? Oh, in terms of um, in terms of picks, mm-hmm. like draft picks. Uh, I would say you'd be looking at something similar to the Khalil Mack trade. To yeah. be honest, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, a couple of first rounders, uh, and some, and then some. Um, he and is, yeah, yeah. I don't. It has to be a very good player as well. You you can't just uh, put that like I, 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 yeah. It's almost unquantifiable for me <laughs> because he is he's not going to go. So, he's yeah, no, he's he's absolutely untradeable, uh, and and a lot of people will say no player is untradeable. Uh, even though they may look it. But, yeah, uh, he is just such a key part to that offense that if you were to take him out, I would see them being potentially the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, definitely last year. I don't know. If he got 1,500 receiving yards last season, then it's probably nearly half of what Deshaun Watson actually got. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's he's by far... To me, the in terms of that kind of position, um, and you know, I never realized that they're both Clemson. Yeah, yeah. So he had, he had four thousand one hundred yards last season, and over fifteen hundred were um, Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, so nearly nearly half of uh, of the offense went through DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, essentially, because they didn't have much of a run game. To be fair. Um, okay, so I'll come back at you with now. I've got I've got a couple of different different ways I can go here. Um, I think I'll I, I don't want to dwell too much on the wide receivers because there are some that have a great impact. So like I'll, I'll put him out there though. I think Julio Jones is just he's the the prototype wide receiver. He's huge. He's so fast. He has amazing hands. He's durable. He draws all sorts of coverage. Uh, like he'll get double teams, he'll get triple teams. Like people complain about his uh, red zone production, but that's yeah, just that's because he's say. usually being so like marked out of the marked out of the game. But that allows other people to contribute, and like so, you can't just look at someone's contribution purely by the stats that they put up. And of course, Julio Jones's stats are still absolutely out of this world. Uh, I think he's like consistently up there uh, in the top three in terms of receiving yards every season that he plays, uh, as long as he's healthy. Uh, and he allows for the other players in his team to become very successful. And Atlanta have recognized this, and then they've said, well, what we're going to do is invest heavily in our second and third, fourth wide receivers so that there's so much attention going on Julio but we also have other great weapons that can more consistently come down with the ball when they have to do something with it. Yeah, definitely. So Calvin Ridley, 
um, got his chance to kind of shine with uh, the one-on-one -on -one coverage. It was probably the first time he'd been one-on-one -on -one coveraged since he joined Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so he's coming into the NFL and he's probably finding it a bit easier than um, what it was in college for him because he was the number one. And now he's got Sanu and and um, Jones playing two, one and two and it just makes it you know, so much easier for um for yeah, Calvin Ridley and Sanu to get free and score those red zone touchdowns when Hilo Jones is being double teamed. So um Yeah. But I, I, I would say Hilo Jones himself probably would it would say that he could do more in the red zone from a you know getting open. Um I know he was saying last season he got that finally got a red zone touchdown and he was like, Oh I should have got a couple <laughs> more this season and but that's just that winning mentality, yeah. Like, he holds himself to a very high standard, of course. And and if he uh, got the 50-yard bomb to get them into the red zone, then he's done his job for the, the drive. He just has to, you know, run his route. And assuming that most of the stuff that happens with Atlanta in terms of game planning is that he's going to be double teamed. So he knows yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they, they play what defences give them. And uh, I can see... The Falcons really having a bounce back year, uh, like that uh, that offensive line. They're really investing heavily into it. Of course, uh, new offensive linemen coming into the league don't always land straight away, but um, getting Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry to, to help shore up that offensive line, like in like two two first round picks that they've invested there, and you got Alex Mack at center, you got Jake Matthews is out at left tackle. Like if that comes together, look at your uh, your offensive weapons. Of course, you got Matt Ryan back there. Uh, Devonta Freeman should hopefully be back and be fit, and then therefore he will still continue to contribute. Uh, Austin Hooper should be back, looking good. Then you got Mo Sanu, Calvin Ridley, and Julio. Like that, that's a that's quite a scary scary offense. It is, yeah. Um, but they had Sarke is it Sarkeesian last season? Yeah, it's Sarkeesian, it was... yeah was very um, vanilla, very beige um, kind of offense, and they weren't really doing much. So they, hopefully they can get a bit more scheme, a bit, um, get the game planning a bit more exciting and, and get players free so they can put up numbers. Cause yeah, well, were... now they'll have, um, have offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter, who was the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can say mastermind behind uh, the Tampa magic. Bay team from last season. <laughs> like... Uh, like Tampa were so bad on defense, but you saw how explosive potentially they could be on offense. Um, so, if he can implement that into a much better offense in Atlanta, then um, yeah, we could see some real fireworks here. Yeah, and I think the fans will want that. Um, they're getting beaten by the soccer at the moment in terms of crowds. So, so yeah, they, I think the Atlanta faithful are using their their money in their time to show that they want to be entertained so yeah um, and rightly so you got to get them back to the super bowl and give them a chance and run the ball yes oh my god don't take a sack to take your field goal range anyway we're not going back and dwelling on that uh what, what have you got for us next who else have you got okay to do the kind of slam dunk ones i'd say if i quickly touch on the last the wide receivers I've got I've I've got um Cooper Cup and Phelan um in the NFC. 
and then... and, and, like two interesting choices there. I'd say Thielen in particular is um, like that. He makes a lot of sense these days. Cooper Cup is just, just one which would be under the radar a lot, but you saw how the, drastically that offense yeah, changed when he was out of there. It's more the influence that they have yeah. in the team and on results, and yeah, they weren't able to get um, away from teams mm-hmm. the way they were because they just didn't have the same amount of weapons getting free. So they weren't yeah. they weren't pulling away. You know, they weren't winning games by forty points anymore, and um, that a lot of that has to do with Cooper Cup being being such a weapon. Um, Adam Phelan, just because he's solid, he's just such a solid um, wide out. Yeah, he's a fantastic all rounder. Great hands, great route runner. He's got, he's got speed to burn you. He's got the right attitude. Yeah, like Phelan's a, a, a special up and coming player. Yeah, and in then, fact, um, I, I, I'll go past up and coming. He's he's there. He's arrived. Yeah, and it's you know being from Minnesota, going to Minnesota from like playing for Minnesota University. Yeah, he's just. He is the heart and soul of that team now, I think, and they have to hopefully keep him fit because he he does do a lot for the Vikings. Um, yeah. The other two wideouts have got um, Devontae Adams, um, the Packers. He just needs to be himself. He needs to be brilliant because they still don't have that many weapons. N- yeah, there's no one else behind him, really. Yeah. Uh, then, although they will say that they love Marquez Valdez-Scantling and a few other guys there. Uh, Jeronimo Allison come back and be healthy this season. Hopefully, kind of, that will work to. out for them. Yeah, they have yeah. to. But um, then the other one on the other side of that is Randall Cobb um, going to the Cowboys. Um, Influence-wise, mm-hmm. he needs to be good. Otherwise, the Cowboys are going to be more of the same, really. So um, he's their big offensive pickup, unfortunately, for Cowboys fans. Um, yeah, so we need, we need to come back and we, we need to talk about um, an article that Bucky Brooks wrote recently about uh, Dak Prescott uh, deserving uh, to be one of the next $30 million season contracts. We can discuss that towards the end because I have all sorts of opinions on that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he just he needs to be good because Cooper can't do it on his own. Um, now, one person you've left out of that list and uh, is Antonio Brown. So yeah, I, now I'm sure we're not we're not sure how he's going to fit in this offense in Oakland, but there's zero doubting his impact over the last few years. Statistically, just the best there is. But then. Also, there's but is he going to really influence the NFL? As a, you think of how much quarterbacks influence the NFL. Do you think him at the Raiders is going to make much difference to the overall standings in the league? I think it could, um, but that will depend on how the offensive line of the Raiders manages to keep Derek Carr clean. If you can give Derek Carr a little bit of time to get the ball out to Antonio Brown. I could still see him putting up Antonio Brown numbers. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be as big as that. I still see him get. You'll still get something like thirteen hundred yards, though, and maybe like uh, like nine or ten touchdowns, uh, which isn't up there with like your eighteen hundred yard seasons or anything like that. But he'll still put them up, and he'll and he will get the Raiders. Obviously, it'll be hard to tell whether it's just his influence because the Raiders have brought in so much new blood, especially through the draft it'll be, be hard to see it because as soon as you bring in another player, that's someone else who can take away coverage or make defense second guess, which can buy the the weapon, the person that we're talking about some more time. So yeah, there's, there's, there's influence all over the place. Yeah. I, I just want to see it. I'm not ready to 
say he's going to be one of the most impactful non-QB players until mm. he does it for the Raiders. I think it's just... Uh, I've got I an just, asterisk next know. to his name. Yeah. Anyway, if I move on from wide receivers, um, the next obvious one for me is Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At, New, at New Orleans. Um, he Just what he provides in terms of game plan and scoring is just outrageous. So... As an, as an influence on a game, he definitely has shown over the last two seasons that he can get the Saints into position to win the Super Bowl. So, yes, he's, he's definitely there, and um, he he doesn't seem to have any real injury concerns. Um, he doesn't really take time off, um, like field. So, yeah, he's in my opinion got a very high influence rating on on um on a team, and I don't really yeah. stand with the you know the whole. This is the thing that gets me about when you talk about like draft and everything and about, you know, any any running back can do something, you shouldn't pay them or draft them and then as soon as the season starts everyone's like, Oh, I can't wait to see Alvin Kamara and and that play. Um mm. I'll note I've left Gurley off of this because he hasn't done anything for about three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, about six months is the last time I saw him have a good game, so yeah. He's one that's kind of the same as Antonio Brown kind of come off. It needs to show it again for me. Yeah. Now, I I would say that um, like Kamara definitely earns his spot on this list, but the the whole conundrum with running back value is something which gets discussed like t- to no end uh, these days, especially because we listen to a lot of PFF and what we like we listen to to them and we take that on board quite a lot. So Alvin Kamara, fantastic contributor on a really strong offense in New Orleans. He's got all these other weapons around him, and so that makes him more valuable. And then you go to New York and you see someone like Saquon Barkley, who has been nothing short of phenomenal as a, as a rookie. He came in, he did absolutely everything. He's broken all sorts of records, but the Giants still sucked because he wasn't on what was like an actual good offense. He was the sole workhorse there, but he was like always having to do it in situations where they were just still going to end up losing games. So he couldn't really have as much influence on it as, as he would like it's uh, just, because it's, he just simply couldn't be used. It's just not as surgical, you know, like mm. if you're going to be a high level surgeon or an artist, you have to have the tools to, to, you know, be precise and and, mm. and get those wins and Barkley is yeah uh, as a talent level is there but we don't know where he's at in terms of big game situations because he most of his runs he was taking from five yards out um or mm. long long distance yardage whereas you can see from like Alvin Kamara that he'll swing out and he'll beat a player he shouldn't beat you know, it would just, yeah. he'll spin around someone and get a couple yards over the the marker every mm-hmm. single time. He's like the Julian Edelman of running backs. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> just some somehow he always gets those extra yards. Yeah, and and Barkley might be able to do that too. But most of his big plays came from um, being given unexpectedly being given the ball on three and eight and beating a few mm-hmm. players and getting to like. A thirty-yard run, which is impressive and definitely influential if the team can keep up with it. But it just it doesn't show as much 
And you're right, and it's not him, but I think in terms of influencing high level, you know, NFL games and the overall winners next year, I just think Alvin Kamara is just he is influential because he is showing it in playoff games. Yeah. And he's torching the Falcons and he's torching the Panthers. Yep, he's doing it week in, week out. Uh, often, often against very good defenses as well, and he'll do it in a variety of ways. So he'll be involved as a running back. He'll be involved in the passing game. Uh, he can actually play out of the slot. You can put him out all the way wide if you want to. Just anything. He, he always has to be accounted for on the field. Yeah, but in, in saying that, he is the only running back I've got on this list. So mm. I have taken that into account. But um, but I just think yeah, he's on the level above at the moment in terms of what he does in games. Would you have an asterisk next to Lev Bell? Don't know what he is. Um, mm. We after... all know what he could do, but can you do it again? And can you do it in another city behind a different offensive line? We don't know. Yeah, if we're saying this is a far too early podcast, then I'm, I'm holding out on Lev Bell. Um, but mm. after three games, if he's not suspended, um, yeah. we'll probably be talking <laughs> about him. Um, as the difference maker for that Jets team. So, look, if he can put up 150 all-purpose yards against the Pats and win Jets a game in, in um, at home and away against the Pats, then I'll be mm-hmm. putting him at the top of my list, I'll be honest. but Oh, hell yes. <laughs> he's going he's to need to show it. He hasn't shown it for a while. And that's not necessarily his fault. But, um, yeah, he's he's not there at the moment for me. Yeah, whilst we're on running backs, so we're saying Lev Bell, he's a maybe unknown quantity again after taking a year out and moving cities. I would say that one to watch in the running back stakes. Uh, no, of course, I, I am saying that the value of running back is often dictated by how good the offense is. So if, if offenses take leaps, then the running back's value like goes up exponentially um, because you can be... Uh, you can be leading in a game, and then that allows you to get even even more stuff to like grind out wins, just through through the running back. Um, now, I'm not just being a homer here, but when he broke out and started to get more carries, he was incredibly effective. I think Philip Lindsay from the Denver Broncos, he's, he could be an excellent complement to an improved offense, and he could be up there with the top running backs in the league. You see the way in which he runs; it's with more determination than anyone i've seen like for for a smaller guy he just keeps his legs churning he is determined to get every single yard that he can get and if he has to do it through uh, juking people if he has to do it through like a spin move if he has to just try and run through someone who's 70 pounds heavier than him he doesn't care he's gonna go for it but if he so if he stays healthy and the broncos don't fall behind uh, far too often which might still happen he could be a sneaky contender to lead the NFL in rushing. And I mean that sincerely. I think it's unfortunate for him the way it's kind of worked out that um, in some ways that he goes into this season making half a million on the cap. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is probably one of the best running backs in the AFC now. And yes, it's, I, this is where I think the, it kind of, Needs to change a bit. Like as soon as he made that pro ball, he should have got some form of salary compensation for being a pro ball player. It should there there should be some way to change it, yeah. Because 
he's a what a seventh round pick and no he was undrafted undrafted yeah so I get yeah. confused with mixed up with him and James Connor yeah now Lindsay is far more likely to earn money at the Broncos than Connor is at the Steelers so um he will I think get his value probably before his contract ends because um, mm-hmm. he's not allowed to renegotiate it until next season. Um, yeah, but it, yes, it's tough. It's tough to be that influential, and it makes the Broncos. The Broncos need to take advantage over the next two years of that. That he yes. is only on half a million, and he is going to play three out of three downs, pretty much. Mm-hmm. The like the value of running back contracts, though, uh, has generally plummeted around the league, aside from. Uh, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, uh, oh, and, and, uh, and Lev Bell, of course. You could still get him him as a big contributor, but on a on a lesser contract. But um, I guess we'll just see how that goes. So, um, shall we move move onwards? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I've kind of got a bit of a wide ranging one here because I think that these guys deserve a lot more love than they get. But um, I'll start off with one person who is. Uh, of great value to his team uh, Tyron Smith uh, left tackle at uh, the Dallas Cowboys so he's just he's a gargantuan human being uh, charged with protecting a mediocre quarterback and thus making him appear to some like a great QB in Dak Prescott and he's blocking for Ezekiel Elliott and making sure that he's up there as being one of the top running backs in the league. It, like Obviously, he is on a fantastic offensive line in Dallas. I don't think anyone would question that. Um, but being the left tackle, that's the guy who's got the quarterbacks back the most. That's the one who's stopping him from being blindsided uh, the majority of the time. Uh, and I, th- I think that Tyron Smith does it probably better than anyone else in the league. But uh, I would also like to put a number of other tackles in the same position because I believe that they all deserve an equal amount of credit. Uh, so I'm going to give it to them. So Trent Williams in Washington, he is uh, like consensus excellent left tackle. He's been solid forever. Um, in terms of guard, you've got obviously Quentin Nelson. I know you were wanting to talk about him. He'll just scream you into the ground if you'll believe the, the fantastic meme that was put up recently. He's certainly the best rookie guard who gained a lot of attention last season. Um, and my most recent favorite is uh, David Bakhtiari of Green Bay Packers. So he's now my favorite human being after watching him chug two beers uh, on camera at a baseball game. Uh, sorry, sorry, a basketball game and <laughs> just get super hyped before the camera then cut to Aaron Rodgers sort of laughing and shaking his head. Saying, That's my man. <laughs> well, David Bakhtiari was the one that organized for the Green Bay Packers to be on uh, Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> as a as an acapella group, so yeah, he, okay, he's, so that automatically raises his standing even more. He's got a history of um of doing this kind of thing. He's like really good friends with um Elizabeth Banks now, so he's he's appeared in a few different things. Um, yeah, that you wouldn't expect an offensive lineman to be in. So yeah, he's he's definitely an influence on that team, and he's you know he's charged with protecting the franchise, protecting the NFL. In my opinion, I still think Aaron Rodgers is the most exciting player to watch mm-hmm. um, in yeah. the league. Um, so they they he is influential because if he stays on the field, but he does come off a lot. Like if you watch, I was watched the condensed of um, Pats um, versus the Packers few weeks ago and 
within you know in that game they lost like two or three O linemen for like big third down plays and stuff and mm. they've got to stay on the field um and then try yeah. and, but i think it was more that the pats were rushing everything so um they were doing two minute drives like but you know really fast two minute drives getting like seven or eight plays which was give, not giving the packers O line a chance to rest when they came off so yeah, just kind of, being, being you know, an offensive lineman in the NFL is brutal because you've you've got, you've got to, to block. run up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to run. You're you're a bigger guy. Your body's not supposed to be built for running, uh, and then you've got to like push three hundred pound men away from you. You've got to manhandle them. You've got to keep them off of your franchise. Whether it's uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Tom Brady in New England, Will Greer in Carolina. Um, <sighs> It's, it's um, yeah, it, it's a super important position, and it's something which I, th- I think, like the the linemen, they they get more credit these days because people are aware of how important it is, and the analysis is there to show it. But um, yeah, they still need to be recognised, and we need to give them some love. Yeah, well, one person I had, um, just you know, May storylines was Travis Frederick and yeah. the influence he would have if he comes back. So he's been training with the Cowboys this week. That's great news. And he's been working out with them since mid-April. So if he comes back with Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and whoever they get to fill that extra position, they that will be one good. of the best offensive lines. They'll win, in... they'll win the division easy, I think, if they've got that offensive line. Um, oh, you, you say so? Like, yeah. I mean, come on, Philadelphia, I still say, are our favourites for the division. Oh. But, uh, but that's because I think that they're a more complete team because I trust Carson Wentz more than I trust Dak Prescott. Yeah, well, um, I'll, get to, I'll get to that in my far too early predictions. But. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so oh, spoiler alert. But yeah, yeah, I think the influence he has on that team, if he's playing, would be ridiculous and... But they're not easy things to overcome, like Darren Fletcher from Man United, and and that has yeah. been something similar. And it it takes a while, but I think if you can sort out thing, sort out this kind of stuff, and get into a regimen, you can you can play. And he's definitely yeah. trying to. So, so, we'll so ju- just um for the for the listeners um who might not be aware, uh, Travis Frederick is the center for the Dallas Cowboys, I believe. Yep. And uh, he came down with a terrible autoimmune disease uh, like before the start of last season, which um, not only threatened his season, it threatened his career, it threatened his life. Um, but apparently he's making an amazing comeback and uh, he, he just looking like he's going to be back uh, in the NFL this year. Um, which is just is, is fantastic news for a guy who was obviously such uh, an important part of that offensive line, and he will really help shore up that part of the middle. Uh, and like, I, I I am of the the view that Dak Prescott needs a good offensive line. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't think that he could do it without one. And uh, so, if if Dak Prescott does end up getting this thirty million dollar contract, which we're going to speak about later on. He needs to be giving a lot of that to his offensive line. He needs to buy them cars. He needs to buy them houses, anything. Amazon stock, whatever you can do, give it to them. Yeah, so he has 
so Frederick, Frederick has uh, Gillian Barr syndrome, which is when the body accidentally attacks your spinal nervous system in response to an illness. So mm-hmm. it's pretty much his body's been trying to defend itself against an illness that isn't there. Yeah. And you have to teach the, there's obviously treatments and that to teach the body to stop doing that. But when he came out, which was, what have we got here? August last year, there was no timetable on him coming back. So the fact that he's even training again in April and May is unbelievable. Because he's only 27 years old. Yeah, 27 years old, great beard. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Um, so do you have someone you want to put forward now or was uh, was Travis Frederick your guy? It was Travis Frederick, um, if he plays. Um, Someone that will play, obviously, is Quentin Nelson. Um, the difference mm-hmm. he makes in terms of that winning mentality um, for the Colts is is um, ridiculous. But he's been getting a lot of love recently, so I don't know how much we have to actually go into it. But I think the main thing with the NFL now is because of the um, the changing CBA, collective bargaining agreement, they don't train offensive linemen all the time. They're not yeah. allowed to practice. So we're seeing the difference of really good linemen, players that only need to train once a week and can go out and play on a Sunday. Yeah. Because um, they're so valuable now. And Quentin Nelson's one of them. You know, he's coming straight in, doing his two two reps a week and then getting getting straight in on a Sunday and making a difference. And it's been shown, especially with like players like Eric Flowers and that, that it doesn't happen every time. You can't always get it right. No, it doesn't happen yeah. every time. So he is important and he's pretty much put the Colts as one of the favourites in the AFC. Obviously, they've done mm. a lot of building, but picking up those two rookies. Yeah, cons- considering where the round, Colts yeah. were, yeah, considering where they were a short time ago, uh, like completely luckless for uh, for the sake of a pun, um, they were looking like they were going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, this incredible team is put together by Chris Ballard and Frank Reich is uh, utilizing them in the best way possible. And um, so much so that I think um, Chris Wessling of NFL.com had the Colts up as his number two offense in the NFL, which I found a little bit high. I, I guess we will see what happens with them this season. I do have a great affinity for the Colts. I, I think that they are a, a, a very fun team to watch and um yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what they can do this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, the only other like offensive player I really want to add at the moment, well, don't know if we'd consider him an offensive player, but this is really just due to the influence he's going to have on a couple of teams, mm-hmm. and that's uh, Robbie Gold. Okay. The kicker, I think. That... <laughs> okay. Would you like so, to explain your work, young man? <laughs> so Robbie Gold is currently in the middle of a contract kerfuffle. With, mm-hmm. um, that he is. The... The 49ers, he is probably the most clutch kicker in the league um, and has been for a long time. And uh, he helped 49ers win games last season that they wouldn't have won without him because um, they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Um, and he was hitting them from everywhere. Now, the Bears want Robbie Gold, obviously, after Parkey shitting the bed. Yeah, well, in, I think that was a little bit unfortunate for for Cody Parkey hitting um, was it both uprights and being um, deflected. Yeah, and and then going on 
the, the Today Show or whatever and talking about it. And then the Bears took in, what was it, eight kickers yeah. to try them out. And then they, they just said, okay, we want you to take a 43-yard field goal and do what the last guy couldn't. And then of the eight guys, two of them managed to make this single 43-yard field goal. <laughs> so that kind of backfired on them, perhaps. They they know that... like, well, they, they certainly are seeing the value in a good, consistent kicker. Robbie Gould's got history there. Oh, his family he still lives there. So he's wanting, yeah. to, he's wanting to go back and wanting to get a contract with the Bears, but... San Francisco are wanting him to stay, but he wants more money if he's to stay in San Francisco. So it's getting a bit, um, bit you know, tense between those camps. But I think that either team that has him, he's going to be quite an influential player for them, mm-hmm. for either the 49ers or the Bears this season. So just yeah. mainly because of that situation, I just think he's going to have a kind of undue influence. Yeah. Obviously, we're spending a lot of time on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, since you mentioned the 49ers, I will go as far as to say that George Kittle, did you did you see what he did last year? Yeah, yeah. S- single-handedly destroying teams, resulting in more yards in a season than Gronk ever amassed. He was catching passes from Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, and your mum for 14 games of the season. So the, the I, I can see him having a, a massive impact on the league this year. If um, uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo can come back and be what he can be, um, we might just be in that transition period of goodbye Gronk, hello Georgie. No. Yeah, no. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be good. Do you think he's the next Gronk? Oh, I don't know. I'd say if we're gonna say tight ends, obviously Kelsey has a big influence on games, but obviously as you found out last year that he doesn't actually score many touchdowns. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So it doesn't actually get you many points if you're in a scoring fantasy league. But yeah, that can happen. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard picking up tight ends like that. But yeah, anyway, moving moving on. Uh, so um, I will I guess point I'm out some of to... your wins when they happen. Th- thanks, man. <laughs> thanks when when they happen. But it, it's it's always easier to remember the losses because yeah. those are the ones which are more sweet for you. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm part of this fantasy league next season, so you can. There's plenty the opportunity for you to have a go at me. Yeah. Okay. Oh well. I guess we can we can break it here first. Then can we? That uh, Darren will be joining the Aberdeen League of Fantasy Football, uh, picking up uh, a franchise this season. So if uh, there's anyone in the league who happens to be listening just now, then um, yeah, please welcome Darren to the stage. Yeah. Woo. 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 You right. Suck. So. So my first big GM decision was to get the rid the fuck of Bobby Pettis. <laughs> uh, Dante Pettis, don't you mean? That's it. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. gone. <laughs> he gone. He gone. I gotta get rid of. I can only keep two rookies, so he was not not staying. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So anyone that's um listening that's part of that, just introduce yourself on the page, and I'll get in touch. Yeah, cool. And um, well, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but we will have to call into a, a live draft at like, like three in the morning. One, yeah, something like that on a Sunday. But uh, I'm sure that we can survive that and still get ourselves to work the next morning. Yes, well, um, okay. my, my work anyway. will be fine with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'll make sure that my work are too. Uh, anyway, we need to press on with um, what people actually came here for, and that's to talk about uh, the, the most important non-QBs on defense now. So, obviously, I'll start off 
I mean, it's it's obvious, isn't it? Is it? Who, who the number one is? Yeah, should be. We'll should be Aaron Donald. Oh, Stefan Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is on my list also. Yeah, but yeah, um, well, you're right, Aaron in, Donald definitely. Yeah, uh, he's just quite simply, hands down, the greatest interior defensive lineman that we have right now, and possibly that there has ever been. I just want them to do on TV, like as a pay-per-view, I just want to see Aaron Donald go up against like Geno Atkins and Grady Jarrett and actually see what the difference is. Mm. Like like how much of a difference he actually is like athletically and or if it's just all knowledge of the game. But obviously he's so strong, but the the amount of pressures he gets compared to even Fletcher Cox, who's the second on that list. Yeah, he's also on my list here as yeah, someone who's rather just unfortunate. Ri- just ridiculous how much more he gets. So they're going to have to do a sports science or a documentary about Donald because we need to know how he's doing it. Because he's but, some sort of a th- athletic freak because yeah. he he's an interior defensive lineman, but he looks more like a tight end at times. It's he he's he's just he's too lean, he's too small for a defensive uh, lineman, but he just gets so much power, so much speed. And his technique is the best around uh, at that position. And he just tosses guys out the way. Well, that was what I was saying. These are professional football players that he is just manhandling and making look silly on a weekly basis to an extent that no one's ever seen before. That's what I was saying in the in the draft uh, coverage was that I didn't even I couldn't even believe that Dexter Lawrence and Aaron Donald play the same position. Let alone, yeah, it's so drastically are, different. Play the same sport, um, yeah, it's it's insane. And he his influence on the game. Obviously, the these big stats based companies always say like we don't actually know how much that impacts the points and losses, but mm-hmm. it does. You can just tell. They have to put like three people on him. So yeah, whatever that does I would like, for the um, rest of the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, I would like the ability, I don't know if um, they still have this sort of thing on Sky Sports, but um, certainly back in the early days of... camera? Yeah, back in the days of the red button, you used to get the player camera for uh, like the English Premier League and stuff. And I would love to have that and just kind of watch what Aaron Donald does on that defensive line uh, whilst the other action's on the go. And you just, you can see... Like he'll he'll push through like slightly to the slightly to his right. He'll get slightly in behind the quarterback, flushing him out instantly, uh, and and that just forces pressure, and also forces mistakes to be made if the quarterback can get the ball off, which is rare sometimes. <laughs> so well, I know yeah. that scouts and um, and high school teams and some college teams set up a line camera, um, mm-hmm. kind of similar to like a cricket. Um, wicket cameras so that the you know even if there isn't like large tv coverage of the game you can at least see what's happening in the the line so the, the scouts yeah. can see what's going on so it would be cool if the nfl did bring that kind of back where you could watch the line yeah um and you know if that's what you're you're wanting to see in that on that game because mm-hmm. you only ever see would... when the networks bring it up and they yeah. don't if they haven't got uh analyst who looks at the line you rarely get actual much coverage on what's happening especially in the sunday afternoon and morning games 
Uh, well, we, we obviously need more of uh, Booger McFarlane's line judging. Thing. So you need him on his on his massive chair, getting in the way of people with no. a TV stuck on the back of it. Don't need that. Just need a camera <laughs> looking down the line and some replays. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, just uh, finishing off on Aaron Donald. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, go and search on YouTube for uh, his. Uh, I think it's his training uh, regime or his. Um, it's, it, it goes on about how he goes back and he trains in his dad's gym in his basement and stuff and he just does it relentlessly he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it uh, it's, a, it's a really uh, in, inspirational to see where he came from to where he is now uh, yeah excellent player and seems like a real good human too yep. so who would, who would you like to shove into the mix for the most important non-QB on defence well we have um Obviously, Khalil Mack yes. and um, JJ Watt are in that second tier of um, pass rushers, and then which is amazing to see. Tackle <laughs> how, how can they be in a second tier? Yeah, and then even they're technically a tier behind Fletcher Cox. So, um, in terms of actual pressures in the game, so it's it's such a it's so talent heavy, especially when you look at it and you think. Like the one I would really point out and be like, this person can make a big difference, and especially in a division I pay attention to would be TJ Watt, because mm. he's he's been outstanding as well, <laughs> kind of going under the radar a bit, being the younger brother, but he had eight sacks in the first four games or something last season. So. Yeah, at one point it was um, uh, the Watts one and two on the the sack leaderboard. <laughs> it was uh, looking pretty good for them at that point. Yeah, and. I think he had a sore arm for a bit during the season, so he didn't wasn't quite as effective in the middle but part. But yeah, there's so much going on. But obviously, it's Khalil Mack is the standout, you know, difference maker that people will know. Um, Absolutely. But as as I say in the stats, Fletcher Cox is actually getting more pressures and having more influence on the game. Mm. Well, I think since since we've brought him up a couple of times, I mean Fletcher Cox is so often overshadowed by Aaron Donald. But that's kind of like getting 100% on a test only to find out that someone else got 115%. It's just totally unfair. Uh, but yeah. he's still a massively disruptive interior player who greatly affects both passing and running games. Uh, Khalil Mack, he is more of a pure pass rush threat. He, he can still do so much, though. Uh, and I think to see the value in Khalil Mack, just look at the contrasting change of fortunes of the Raiders and the Bears. It just speaks for itself. Like Through the most of the season, Khalil Mack had more sacks than the entire Raiders' defence. And had he been fit for the whole year, he would no doubt have eclipsed their woeful 13 sacks on his own. Like He's just a completely transformative player who has made something really exciting in Chicago. Well, it will be interesting to see, because I think most of this season he was on a kind of a snap count mm. um, kind of like a pitch count so if he is fully ready to go and he's actually had a preseason, and he's you know three downs 16 games the numbers he can put up are just ridiculous yeah that um, that Chicago Bears defense is going to be really fascinating to see this season because obviously having lost Vic Fangio I do keep coming back to that but don't rule out just how important Vic Fangio was to that like that that scheme that system it worked so well so they've got someone else in now to to work with that. Will they be able to just go for the same sort of system? They've lost a couple of players like Bryce Callahan there, but you've still got Khalil Mack up front. 
and you've got like Eddie Jackson playing back at safety, probably the best safety in the league last season. There's still an awful lot going for Chicago, but we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So um, I think I'll, I'll go for a, a couple of my um, asterisk players here. Uh, I shall, I'll, I'll just go for one. So Earl, Earl Thomas, when he's fit, nobody does everything better. And uh, him going to Baltimore is going to be a very, very interesting fit. He's just he's a ball hawk. He's a tackling machine. He covers so much ground. He's really smart. He has these instincts, which are just off the charts. He takes away such a massive section of that field and, and forces you to like th- like push the ball either outside the numbers or just swing it out to someone. Just find out where Earl Thomas is and go away from him because... Earl Thomas can be on one side of the pitch and he'll still run someone down on the other side if he has to. Um, he is just, he's the best safety in the NFL since Ed Reed. And uh, like, I, I I don't know if I'd be able to compare them uh, or anything, but uh, I really hope that he comes back from this broken leg that he suffered last season and is just the same as he was before. I think he'll be fine. I think... The it was unfortunate the broken leg, but he hadn't been training, mm. and sometimes that happens. Um, obviously, some of people will say, "Oh, broken leg is just random," but it does have to do with positioning and anticipation and stuff as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of players can avoid being rolled up on, mm. especially in the open field, um, or they they're used to coming down a certain way, and if you've not been practicing or training with the team, then. Then you do become more likely to have these like little slips that can lead, especially in a sport like um, in a, the NFL has that where you know you're up and down, you're getting hit as you're coming down. Mm-hmm. You have to practice that kind of thing. So I think he didn't want to play much last season, but he still wanted to play. He he wanted and, to play uh, to show them that he was playing angry and that he was still really valuable. He wanted to show them what they were going to be missing. And then when that injury happened, it just backfired so badly. But uh, he's got out and he's got to a really good situation now in Baltimore. Yeah, It's not Dallas where you apparently really wanted to go, but uh, yeah, there's only so much that they could do for that. Yeah, definitely. But he he should make an instant impact on, on the AFC being in, in that team. And yeah, he's just fun. He's a good player. Yeah, definitely. Really, 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 really like him here. Okay, so who you got for us? I'd say... Part of me is just as a, a Homer Brown. I really think that Denzel Ward has the opportunity this season to be unbelievable, mm. but it depends on the scheme that the Browns run. So, if he gets to do what he did last season, he's going to have a massive impact on games because um, he just he was all over it, and. Um, you know, these interceptions he gets are killers. Mm. They, they kill offences. So I think he's he's got a chance to step, especially with help on the other side. Yeah, if Greedy Williams he's got getting a, picked up in the second yeah. round. Yeah, really big. He's got a chance to make a massive impact on the AFC. Would you put him down as being more important than Miles Garrett then? I would say so. Miles Garrett still needs to um, really get those plays, like really influence and and get the turnovers because most of the turnovers from the Browns are coming from making great tackles in the open field mm. um, but with uh, the boy from the Giants Vernon coming through Olivier as Vernon. well yeah. 
then Miles Garrett might have more of an opportunity now to get some one-on-ones and get get to the quarterback. Yeah, like, weighing, just... weighing up the importance of really good defensive back coverage versus the importance of a good pass rush is very difficult to do <laughs> because they are both very important. But if you're so good at one that it affects how the ball comes out. So say, for example, if you are that great a pass rush that the quarterback just doesn't have time to think and has to get rid of the ball within uh, less than two seconds, then that makes the defensive backs look great. But if the defensive backs can just cover players out of the game and like force the quarterback to keep having to look and like, it's like, oh, oh, but but the pass rush isn't getting there and he's had the ball in his hands for five seconds... It's, you know, he's got to throw the ball eventually. It's really, really hard to quantify. The thing with the defense is that there's really, what, three three different areas of defense, and they all do such different things. Mm -hmm. It's the same, because it's the same mission, but it's so different. There's different factors Um, involved. Yeah, so, you know, you you want everything to work together, because you can have a great pass rush, but if you're, you know, downfield, if you're... um, open field your safeties and that aren't picking up their players properly then the on the blitz a quarterback can just pick out his like down option and they can run for 10 yards yeah well it'll depend and, on the... And the other way can go yeah is that you can have a great coverage but if your quarterback's got 10 seconds to throw the ball he's gonna find someone yeah sometimes it depends on the, the quality of the quarterback himself i would say yeah mm-hmm. okay so um I'll, well, since you went for a defensive back there, I'll come back to a pass rusher. And um, so in reading through a whole bunch of articles trying to decide who to put on this list, I came across a Reddit article, a Reddit article, um, mm-hmm. which people had naming their choice for the best non-QB on a team. I was like, hey, you stole our idea. Obviously, it was definitely us. It's an original thought that we had. But anyway. Um, a whole bunch of people put in answers for other players and they always had someone else chiming in having a laugh or saying oh they're garbage or like what about this guy or oh he's not that great but when it came to Denver someone said Von Miller and there was no argument it was just silence Von Miller can silence the internet he is just one of these guys in, in the same boat as Khalil Mack but he bends around his blocker better than anyone else. He just gets so low to the ground and he can turn a corner so fast with his speed, quickness, and he has all this technique and he uses his leverage so well to get the quarterback, which allows Denver's defensive backs to have a much easier time of it. Whether Vaughn's actually sacking the quarterback, whether he's flushing him out of the pocket, he is a very, very disruptive player. Yeah, and he's going to... It helps that you've also got Bryce Callahan now. Yes. So, who was very high on the, the PFF ratings. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you should, with you know, Vic Fangio, you should have a quite a good team next year. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I'm a little bit concerned about this Chris Harris Jr. situation there with his contract like dispute, I guess you'd say it would be a dispute, yeah? Yeah. Obviously, I think he does deserve a, a bit of a raise, but... Um, yeah, it's not how football works. <laughs> it's not how NFL teams work, no. No, so um, I certainly wouldn't like to move on from him just yet. I think we've got a couple more years out of him. Going, going back to Vaughn Miller, he is one of these guys. He's going to get his own tackles. He's going to get his own sacks. 
but then he's also going to flush hit like flush quarterbacks out into the arms of like Sir Bradley Chubb. Um, you've got uh, your obviously your defensive backs are going to have more opportunities to play on the ball because they're going to be thrown poor, more poorly. It's one one of these guys. I, th- I think that there is often one of these things. If you have a transformative player on a team, he should make everyone else around him better. All of the, all of their stats should inflate. And Von Miller is that guy in Denver's team. Yeah, I would say no argument. He's he's an awesome player, and he pretty much won a Super Bowl on his own. So. Yeah, go back and watch that, guys. Honestly, look at his highlights of the Super Bowl win against Carolina. It, it, he is just a defensive player taking over the biggest game of the year. Incredible. Anyway, you got anyone you want to move on to? Well, I'd like to have a, a quick discussion or get your opinion on um, this player because there was a lot of debate around his new contract and Anthony Barr and then in part his um his, you know, middle of the field partner um Harrison Smith. And and if you feel that they didn't have a good season last year, thank in part thanks to what um the Vikings were saying about them being game planned for mm-hmm. and influencing the game because of the game plan rather than what they actually did, and if that's just nonsense to to keep them around and and be able to give them maybe a little bit more money than the ownership want to to keep the team together because I couldn't quite tell. Um, I didn't watch enough of the Vikings to really notice that. Mm. But obviously their coach is on their side. And I'm just now I'm just a bit like, oh, are they actually as good as they might have been the season before? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I think that uh, Anthony Barr is he's an interesting player, um, but he, he's not like an every down player these days. He is like he's, he's one of these guys. He's a pretty freakish athlete for a linebacker. And he's in an all right linebacking core. The strength of that defense should be on on the line and in the uh, in the defensive backs. Uh, it's like you previously mentioned Harrison Smith. I think he's a fantastic free safety. Uh, a real real missile out the back there. Uh, you got Trey Wayne's playing left corner, and Xavier Rhodes has been excellent as well. Um, but Anthony Barr, I actually thought that he was going to be allowed to walk. I thought that he was one of these guys who just wasn't going to be like he was going to be the odd man out because there's a bunch yeah. of guys on that line that they all need to pay and they're going to need to pay their cornerbacks soon as well. And I just see more value there. Whereas Barr, he's not been like stellar. Like he had that one interesting year. I think it was his rookie campaign where he. Uh, really put up very good numbers. He got a whole bunch of sacks. He had interceptions, forced fumbles. He had fumble recoveries. But he's not been quite the same since then. He is very quick. He's pretty big. But, yeah, I, I just feel that you could get more out of it. I don't think that he's worth how much they paid for him. And it's probably going to come back and bite them when they have to let someone else walk. Yeah, part of me was... That's why I was a bit confused about it and if he actually was worth the money he didn't pay because it's not a bad contract he got. But it's also there he's best friends with Harrison Smith and it just seems like the Vikings wanted to keep both of them together. But I just don't know how 
how influential that tandem is in comparison to other players in the league. I just I wasn't yeah. sure. Like you're looking at the the major acquisitions in the off season and the big plays that teams have made. Nantley Barr was definitely either going to be one of them for the Vikings or the Jets. Yeah, he was given, he was given big actually, money, but yeah, I don't see yeah, him. And being... then when you actually look at it, it doesn't look like he's you know, it doesn't look like he's now getting paid to be a part of this conversation, but he's not. If you know what I mean, it's just it's strange. Yeah, no, he's like um, he's been given this money, this good money, but it's it's the sort of money that some of the guys that we've already mentioned on this list are are getting, and he doesn't deserve that. To be fair, with all due respect, to Anthony Barr, um, and like maybe maybe he just fits into this. Uh, the system really well that uh, uh, their new defensive coordinator George Edwards is going to be running. Uh, who, who knows? Who knows? Only only they know what's going to happen here. Maybe he's going to have a much bigger part to play in this uh, team next season. Hopefully, because they're paying him to be. Yeah, so. he better be. Anyway, I'm just going to finish up real quick with another, another defensive back, and he's someone who I think has been slept on quite a bit recently, and uh, that is uh, Patrick Peterson. On the, on the Arizona Cardinals. So he allowed about 30 completions last season and an average of, I think it was about 0.68 yards per coverage snap. He is shut down. He's dynamic. He can return kicks if you want him to as well. Uh, he, can, he can take away players. He can take away the likes of Julio Jones at times. He can... Try his best to take away the likes of a DeAndre Hopkins as well. Uh, he and like now that you've got uh, Byron Murphy on the other side of him, um, that's really going to influence how that Cardinals defense works going forward. And like I just think that Patrick Peterson is a, a, the biggest, most important part of that defense at the moment. Yeah, um, he is a star, and they need their stars to play well. And stars need help as well. Yeah. So hopefully, for the sake of the Cardinals, better. he will want to stay because there was some talk of trading him, and that's the last thing that they need. Because I, I do see the Cardinals as as going somewhere. The talk of the Arizona Cardinals will lead us nicely into our next podcast, which we're going to do on way too early predictions because we have overran incredibly. So, uh, yeah, we'll break that one down. So before we go, we, do we have any honorable mentions that we want to get out there for our most important non-quarterbacks in the NFL, Darren? Um, well, on the offensive side, obviously, I'd, there's Julian Edelman um, from a percentage just side of things and what he actually does for his team yeah um but we haven't the defense we need to give a bit more love to like you've got um you know daniel hunter at the vikings you've got d ford there's um bobby wagner yes absolutely jordan luke keekley so there are lots of players that are going to make an impact next season um but obviously they're we can't talk about them all. Yeah, but, uh, unfortunately. I mean, maybe we can just do a podcast every day until the season starts. Uh, <laughs> and we'll do that on each individual who deserves uh, some, some accolades as being one of the best in the league. Uh, 
No, we probably don't have time for that. Um, no. So, yeah, th- those guys all deserve a lot of love. Um, of course, on on offensive side of the ball, there is still a very dark cloud looming over the NFL just now with uh, the, the Tyreek Hill saga. He would absolutely be on this list uh, had his... Um, had his status been a bit more clear in a positive manner, but unfortunately it's really not looking that way at the moment. So we can't put him on this list, unfortunately. Yeah, and definitely on the other side of that, you can say that Mercole Hardman is going to be an influential player next season because he's going to have to, as a rookie, pretty much step in and do what Tyreek Hill did Last season, he so. could well be. So I, I reckon that's probably a podcast all on its own. Uh, like which mm. uh, which offenses we think are going to trend the right way, and which ones are going to be stepping back. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, well, we'll deal with that some other week. Anyway, um, so that'll do it for just now. Uh, please join us next time where we will get into our way too early predictions and we'll talk about a little bit more stuff that's happening around the league. So that'll do it for now. And please join us next time. Say bye, Darren. See you later. Bye.